Are you ready now? Okay. Luke 14. Luke 14. And for sake of time, it's, it's, it's late um, for many people. Um, so I'm going to skip around a little bit. Luke 14, verse 15 says this. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servants, servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. Now, we'll deal with those later. Down here in verse um, twenty. Two or 23, 20, um, let's pick up there. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Verse 24, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Verse 25, now great multitudes went with him and he, returned, he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And then we'll finish at verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Can you say amen? amen. Father, thank you today for giving us opportunity to hear your word. I pray that your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, Receiving hearts, I ask you now for special grace, the ability, the wisdom, and the energy I need right now to minister your word to your people. I pray, Father, you give me divine utterance, so let me speak what you have me to say. Give me divine unction, let me move out on whatever you want me to do today. Have your way in this place, and we will give you the glory and the honor for it all we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, have your seats. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Today I want to talk on the subject, relationship goals, the cost of discipleship. Relationship goals, the cost of discipleship. Can you say amen? We learned Wednesday night when we were over at, at uh, Powerful Living Church uh, what it takes, what it means to be a world changer. World changers are those we saw from Acts 17 who turned the world upside down and right side up with the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ. World changers we know are a terror to the kingdom of darkness. At the same time, the Bible tells us that all creation is longing for the power of God that comes through the world changers. I want to read very quickly, if you can turn your Bibles, and if you don't have that, they'll put it on the screen for us, Romans 18. Romans 18, I'm going to move quickly because I, I got somewhere to go today. Uh, in, in the word, I mean. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have anything better to do. Romans 8, verse 19 through 22. When you have it, say amen. Y'all still find it? Romans 8, 19 through 22. If you have it, say amen. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. 
So creation, that means all the things we're seeing. We, we hear about just this week tornadoes that roll through Mississippi. We heard about tornadoes and windstorms out in California. We see uh, landslides and earthquakes and all these things that are happening, torrential things, destructive things that are happening all across the world. And people keep attributing these things to global warming. But the Bible doesn't call it global warming. The Bible says that the whole earth is groaning. It's travailing. The whole earth is waiting, looking for the sons of God to be revealed. Now, I do agree that the globe is warming. Because the Bible says hell is enlarging itself every day. Hell is getting bigger. Hell is inside the earth. So if hell inside the earth is getting bigger every day, the globe is warming. But it's not because of your carbon monoxide or your carbon yourself coming out of your cars. It's because hell is getting bigger every day. It's, in, it's expanding itself, waiting on those who refuse to receive Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says that the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of who? The sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. What? In hope because the creation itself, the whole earth itself will be delivered from the bondage of all the earthquakes, storms, and rains, and destructive things that are happening into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the earth will keep reeling and rocking and rocking and reeling until it's delivered into our hands. So God has given us the assignment of being world changers. God sends sons to change the world. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me very, very, very closer today because I'm trying to take you somewhere. God sends sons to change the world. We just read that. The earth is waiting to be delivered. It's grown and travailing, waiting for the revealing of the who? Sons of God. 1 John 3 verse 8 tells us, that whoever sins is of the devil because the devil, you know, he, he sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Bible says, the Son, the Son of God, come on, was manifested or revealed that he might do what? Come on, read it loud, saints. Destroy. Now, if you ain't going to pay attention, go on home. But you got to get this. Because God has relationship goals. I know you have relationship goals and you're trying to get somewhere with somebody. But I want you to know today God's relationship goes. Hallelujah. So for this purpose, 1 John 3, 8, put it back up there. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So sons are revealed to destroy the devil, to destroy his works. But you must be a son to do this. We have the same purpose. We have the same assignment. We see in 1 John 3, 8, the, the Son of God comes to destroy the works of the devil. But we read back in Romans chapter 8 where we, the sons of God, are the ones that deliver the earth from its corruption. We have the exact same assignment, ladies and gentlemen. So God is interested in sending out sons. Are y'all hearing me today? So God has rela relationship goals. Everybody say relationship goals. 
I know that's been a big hashtag in, on social media. I'm not on social media, but I hear about it. And pre- preachers have preached about it, trying to encourage people, try to help people, you know, arrive at their relationships. And, you know, try to, try to find the right person for your, you know, to be married to. And you have a, you know, you try to date and do all the things. But, but people, you know, <clears throat> we get so caught up in our goals and we forget God's goals for us. And the truth is, if we would seek out his goals, all these things shall be added to us. Matthew 6.33. If we seek first his kingdom, his goals, your boo will come along. Your, <laughs> oh, boy. Your boo will be part of your assignment. Ah, oh, Jesus. The worst thing you can do is find a boo that don't meet your assignment. That's why God told Adam that I'm giving you a, a help meet for you. Your boo is going to help you do what I called you to do. But did y'all catch that? God told Adam, your boo is going to help you do what I called you to do. If your boo can't help you do what God called you to do, send your boo packing. That ain't your boo. That's boo-boo. So God has relationship goals. Number one, membership. Number two, discipleship. Number three, citizenship. Number four, sonship. Number one, membership. Number two, number three, number four, So God, when he calls you, he has a goal for your life to become a son of his. In fact, you can write this down. I'm going to teach on this in the next couple weeks. What's the number one goal? Number two? Number three? Number four? Membership is all about receiving. I told you that last week. When you're a member, all you're interested in is just receiving. Members receive. Discipleship is about responsibility. Oh, Jesus. Discipleship is just, it's beyond receiving. Now I'm responsible to something. In fact, it's about response and responsibility. It's about my response to receiving and now my responsibility in his kingdom. Membership is just about receiving. People come to church just to receive. They're just, they're just members. Members come and go. Members aren't faithful. Members visit. <laughs> I keep telling you, if we had this one Sunday where all of our members here, we couldn't seat everybody. We need, we need two services to accommodate all of our members. Because members only receive. But disciples are into responsibility. Once you're in understanding citizenship, now it's about rights. Rights and privileges. So we move from receiving to responsibility to now my rights. Oh, you'll catch it as I teach it. By the time you get to sonship, now we're about ruling and reigning. 
we go from receiving to responsibility to knowing, knowing and applying our rights to now ruling and reigning. Now, that's good right there. Y'all act, y'all act like I just told you ABC. Y'all sitting there looking like you already knew this. You didn't know that. And you didn't know it succinctly like that. See, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to take you somewhere, but if you just don't keep being a member, then you'll never get into a place of responsibility or knowing your rights, which means the devil can keep busting you in your head, and you'll never get into ruling and reigning where you're now running the earth as God called us to run the earth. Let them have domain over the earth. That's what God called Adam to do. Let them have domain over the earth. The Bible calls Adam the son of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to see something here. John chapter 1, verse 12. I'm going to look at it in the King James Version. Thank you, Lord. Is it all right if I take my time? I'm, I'm not going to take more time. I'm just going to take my time, meaning I'm not going to rush through this because I think this is some meat we got to get. We've, we've got to get this, and I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to take it uh, like, like my, my uh, 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 partner. <laughs> I want to call him a man of God. Dr. Bill Winston says, I'm not going to come back down. I need you to come up. We, we, we can't come down. We can't stay on a level that we've been on for years and think we're going to operate in the, in, the, in, the, in the high realm of God's kingdom. Tell your neighbor you're going to have to come up. Some of y'all didn't say anything. Tell your neighbor you're going to have to come up. You can't stay on, on pablum. You can't stay on breast milk. You can't stay on, on ABC 1, 2, 3. You can't stay there. You're going to have to at some point start doing exponents and stop doing, start doing factorization. You're going to have to start polynomials. You're going to have to move on up a little bit. You can't, you're going to have to get in a long division at some point. Hallelujah. He died, didn't he die? Okay, you know that. John chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to see this. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he what? Power, Power to become. To become what? The sons of God. Where are all the musicians? Find the musicians and tell them to get in, in church. Find them all. Make sure they get in church. I don't care what they are. Tell them to get in church. They're not supposed to be back in the hallway, outside, down the street, in church. We're not going to have that. That's how all them other musicians do. They lalagag and they don't grow. I got I to have them grow. My son's one of them, so I ain't picking on nobody. I don't get a snap. Hallelujah. He says he gave them power to become the sons of God, even to who? Even to them, do we need to start over? Even, come on media, stay with me. Even to them that believe on his name. So believing is what gets you into this place where you now receive power to become something. As many as received him, even to them that believed on his name. So receiving and believing, remember I told you that when you're a member, it's just a receiving stage. So receiving and believing is not the end. Believing and receiving is the beginning to get you to become something else. 
Can you say relationship goals? God doesn't want you to stay at the level of believing and receiving. He wants you to become something. Hallelujah. Now, I, I, I want to throw this in here because you need to know this. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, the, the Bible says this, that you and I are, we're, we are the body of Christ and members individually. So once you're saved, once you're in the body of Christ, you are a member. Everybody say, I am a member. Can, can I pause here and, and, and share something with you? That, this, when when y'all heard me preaching last Sunday and when you hear me preaching today, I'm not talking about church membership. I don't want anybody sitting there thinking, Pastor, talking about I got to be a member of the church, and, and if you're not a member of our church, you ain't right, and if you leave our church, I ain't talking about church membership. You, I heard somebody say this, and I agree. If you leave this church, you've lost nothing. But if you leave Jesus Christ, you've lost everything. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about membership in the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and we are members individually. I'm a member. How did I become a member? I believed in his name. I received him. I believe in his name. I received him. I believe in his name. But that's not the goal. That's the beginning. I heard we have some track stars here in our church. They had to track me yesterday. When they, they stared there at the starting line right there, uh, but Brother Dwight, Brother Dwight's trying to coach them, trying to get them to move their feet. And, and if... if they, at the beginning line, they're, they're in the race. They're in the race. Got the whole uniform and the outfit on, the tights and all of whatever they, they need. They're in the race. But being in the race doesn't win the race. Starting the race doesn't win the race. The goal is not the beginning. The goal is the end. So God is happy that we're members, but he doesn't want us to stay as just members. He wants us eventually to become sons. Now, I hear somebody, you're very, very deep and you know the word uh, as much as I do. 1 John 3, 2, Pastor, 1 John 3, 2, Pastor. 1 John 3, 2 in the King James Version says this, Beloved, now we are sons. Now we are the sons. Now we are the sons. Yes, yes. Now we are the sons. Yes, great, great. But a baby, when a baby's first born, doesn't know he or she is a son, is an heir, is entitled to anything. They don't know anything. So they cry for everything. So it doesn't matter what you are if you don't have a revelation of it. Yes, you are a son of God. Yes, we are the sons of God. But you don't know that when you first become a member. And you'll never know it if you don't move from membership to discipleship. Because it's at discipleship that you learn who you are. You'll never know. I mean, the, and I'll teach this here maybe next week, that we are already citizens of the kingdom of God. You don't have to become a citizen after you become a member. The moment you become a member, you are a citizen. When I was born, but that, that's, that's what Paul said. Paul said, I was born a Roman. There's one man, a Roman centurion said to him, uh, he said, I paid a high price for my citizenship. Paul says, I was born a citizen. 
But being born a citizen doesn't mean you know what your rights are as a citizen. You are that, but you don't know that. In fact, most, most Americans have no clue what our constitutional rights even are. Have never even bothered to ask or seek out to inquire what are our rights. But we'll be the first ones to say, oh, you violated my rights. What is the right? Where, where you get it from? What's, what's the code? So, uh, you follow what I'm saying here? So, so, I am a member, but to become a son, to live out my sonship, to manifest my sonship, I must move from just membership to discipleship. Can somebody say amen? Thank you, Lord. Members aren't, aren't world changers. Because members only seek out what God can do for them. But disciples seek out God's will for their lives. We've made up in our minds that we don't have anything better to do than to serve the Lord. That's what we preached on last Sunday. I don't have anything better to do. I don't have anything better. There's nothing on my agenda. There's nothing on my schedule. There's nothing, nothing that you can put on my calendar that's better, that's more important than me serving God and being in this house and being with his people and praising God. Nothing. There's nothing more inviting to me than being in God's presence. Hallelujah. Now, last week I showed you uh, all kinds of people who would follow Jesus Christ. But I also want you to know that there's a difference. Matthew 4.25, the Bible says that great multitudes followed him. Make great multitudes follow him from Galilee and Decapolis to Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. But in Luke 5.11, when Jesus ministered on the sea, of Galilee, and Peter and those had their boats, and Jesus used their boat, and he uh, gave them instruction to cast out into the deep, and, and they caught all these fish. They had all the great fish, and Jesus says, hey, they were all astonished. He says, don't worry about that from now on. You're going to catch men. He says, follow me, and in Luke 5, 11, the Bible says, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, we saw multitudes followed him, but the difference in here is the disciples, they forsook all and followed him. Multitudes just followed him, but disciples forsook all and followed him. That's so important. I want you to see Jesus makes a difference here in John 8, verse 30 and 31. I want you to see this here. John 8, verse 30 and 31. Hallelujah. As he spoke these words, this is Jesus here. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Many believed in him. So believing is wonderful. We should believe in him. How many of y'all believe in him? He spoke these words, many believed in him. I believe in Jesus. Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, he says, now I, 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 I see your belief, but I got to raise your level. Because believing me is one thing. Following me is one thing. But if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. King James would say, if you, if you abide or continue in my word, it, it, other translations would say, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. So if you do something, then you are my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, there's responsibility. I'm not just the receiver. 
I'm not just a believer. I'm not, not just a member. I am continuing in your word, which means I'm going to abide with you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to submit myself to you because then I'm a disciple. I'm not a disciple if I don't do what he said. Are y'all hearing me today? I can't just come to church and say, Lord, I yeah, this is good. I'll have a good praise and worship and go back and do my own thing and call myself a disciple. If I continue in his word, you read in the book of Acts chapter 2, and you see the day of Pentecost are fully coming. People got born again. 3,000 souls were added to the church. And you get down around verse 42 and, and, and through 47. And it talks about, and these, they all continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in breaking of bread and of prayers and so forth together. Went from house to house and so forth. In other words, they, they didn't just get excited about being saved that day, but they continued in it. They sought to go deeper. They sought to go higher. They sought to go farther in him. You have to have a mindset that being saved is not enough. I want to go higher. I want to go deeper. I want to go farther in him. I want to I be somewhere that I, didn't, I never thought I could be because I was out in the world caught in my sin. But he saved me. Somebody say he saved me. Now, look at this here. Go to Luke 14, our main text here. Luke 14. If you continue my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Luke 14, Jesus is at a feast and... um, He breaks into this parable, and there's a reason for the parable. Luke 14, verse 15. Are you with me? Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he told a parable about people coming into a feast and people fighting for the high chair, for the high seat. And uh, he said, don't, when you do that, don't, 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 don't fight for the high seat. Uh, Fight for the low seat. And because you don't want the guy who's putting the feast on seat and send you back down to a lower seat, you much rather the guy who sees you see on a lower seat and say, no, you belong up here. Right? You remember that parable? And then he talks about when you told, told a guy who put on the feast, when you, when you put on a feast, don't invite all your rich neighbors like me. I'm, th- I'm talking about what Jesus said. Now, I mean like me too, but I'm, this is what Jesus said about himself. They had invited him. This was, this was in his area. They, he's a rich neighbor. But he said, invite the, the lowly, the poor, the blind, the maimed, all those who are in need, those, those who can't pay you back. Y'all got it. Now, verse 15, there's a guy who hears that, and it says, now one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things. When he heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall do what? Eat bread, come on, in the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, so Jesus now goes into a parable in verse 16. So this parable is now in response to the man's statement in verse 15. This parable is not just out there floating by itself. It's response to what the man said. He said, blessed are those who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So he's going to talk about what it takes then to be one who eats bread in the kingdom. 
what it takes to be invited to the king's table. In Revelation chapter 19, and I believe it's verse 9, the Bible says, uh, Blessed are those who are invited to the supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So that's a picture of the end. That at the, in the end, God's going to hold or host a marriage supper of the Lamb. That's going to be the actual supper. And blessed are those who are called or who are, who are invited. Because not everyone is invited to that one. And the reason everyone won't be invited to that one was because they didn't respond to the ones earlier. Hallelujah. And so he now goes into this parable about an invitation. I want you to see this here. Verse 16. It says, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. A certain man gave what kind of supper? This is a big feast, and he invited what? So we know this is a wealthy man. If you're going to have a great supper and invite many, you must have a huge estate. Now, this is a picture of Jesus, of the Godhead, making an invitation to people to come to him. God is great. God is hosting a great supper. We just sing a song, come over here where the table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. So God has a great supper and notice he invites many. The Bible says many are called but few are. Y'all know the Bible, right? So he invites many to come to this supper that he has. All right? Verse 17. Verse 17. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. Now, notice, notice the, the, how, how, how this appears here. Say to those who were invited. Now, you got to remember, there, there is no evite. There is no email. There is no, no, um, no texting. There is no uh, digital device of any sort. So to first of all invite you to the feast to give you a save the date, they had to send a servant out first ahead of time to tell you on this certain date, there's going to be a great feast prepared. So get yourself ready because there's going to be a certain day that you're going to have to, we want you to show up to our feast. Got it? And so then when it came time, the feast was now ready, the servant had to go back out to those and tell them, it's time to come now because the feast is ready. Which meant that those who were invited have had time to prepare and decide if they're going to come. They have time to think about their lives and what's important to them. They had time <laughs> to, to make adjustments. They had time to figure out, was it worth their time to go here or to, or to not go? So by the time the servant comes out now in the story, they've already had this time. He comes and says, the time is now to come. Tell your neighbor, the time is short. Tell me, you better get ready. 
because you get one invitation. Did you catch that? You, 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 I know you're you, you, you processing. The invitation came way before the story is there. He said, remember he said, go say to those who were invited. They were already invited. They already knew about it, which means they already heard the gospel. They already heard the invitation. They came to church every Easter and heard it. Every time they went to a funeral, they heard the invitation. They heard it somewhere. Somebody came and knocked on their door and told them about it. They heard the gospel preached at some point. They were invited. But now the time has come. Okay, it's it. It's it. Come now. This is your last draw. This is your last chance. This is it. Are y'all hearing me? So he said, the servant, his sin a servant and invited and told those who were invited, come for all this not ready. Verse 18. Verse 18. Now watch what happens. But they all with one accord began to do what? They all began to make excuses. The Bible says with one accord. Like with one consent, like they all agreed on it. They all, they all formed some kind of suicide pact. They all, they all went with the majority. They went with the majority. Well, my mama, she wasn't going, so I'm not going to go. And my best friend said he wasn't going, so I'm not going to go. And my girlfriend, who I just started dating, she said she wasn't going, so now I'm not going to go. And now the guy who I had eyes on, he said he wasn't going, so now I'm not going to go. And, and my brother, he said, he said, no, he has something better to do, so I'm going to go and do what he, I'm, see, with one accord. Be careful who you form accord with. Be careful who you, who you consent with. Be careful who you surround yourself around because they will, they will influence you to make a wrong decision on a grand opportunity. So the Bible says they with all, all with one accord began to make excuses. No, the Bible, the Bible did not say give reasons. It says make excuses. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Now, who is he talking to? The servant. He's asking the servant to let your master know I can't make it. <laughs> now, he doesn't know the master has an authority. We'll see it later on. He says, I ask you to have me excuse. He says, why? I bought a piece of ground. Everybody say, I bought a piece of ground. Now, here's a question. Here's a question I have. He said, I bought a piece of ground. Was the ground going anywhere? Chris, the ground wasn't going anywhere. Did you? I bought a piece of ground. I got to go see it. I mean, listen, first of all, the man, the man was having a feast. He wasn't asking you yet to move in. He wasn't asking you to pack up everything and move into his house. He's inviting you to a feast. You can eat and go back. The ground was still going to be there. 
Why is it people get, this, get such, such an impetuous attitude that if I don't do this, now I'm never going to be able to do it? And God gives opportunities, calling you, drawing you. Now, he, right here we see, we see people being drawn to membership. He gets later on into discipleship. But he's saying, I'm trying to give you opportunity to, go, to do this now. And people say, no, nah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I, I don't know. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. You're only, you're, only young. you're only young for so long. and I'll wait till I'm 30. I'm going to have my good time now. I'm going to go everywhere and do everything now. When I'm 40, when I'm, when I'm 40 and worn out, when I'm 50 years old and everything is falling apart and I'll come in, but right now I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, go and tend to this ground. Now, for, for, first of all, can I, can I just throw this in here? Uh, he said, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. Wait, you didn't see it before you bought it? You didn't see it before you bought it? Well, now you got to go see it. So, so one more day ain't going to hurt anything because you didn't see it before you bought it anyway. And what happens with people, they miss out on Jesus because they keep saying, I'll do it later. I give my heart to Jesus later. And don't understand, later may never come. Verse 19, verse 19, and another said, remember they're all in one accord. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excuse. Now this is, first of all, this is bad business. This is, this is bad business. This is, this is a guy that's dumb. I mean, this is like you going to buy a car. You pay for the car and then now Sam will go test drive it. He said, I bought five yoke of oxen. Now, what this is, this is a guy in business because you don't buy five yoke of oxen for your backyard. This, this is a guy, he's in business. So what he's doing is saying, I must attend to my business. My business affairs come first. And that's the danger of people in this hustle, hustle, grind culture that we live in today. Everybody's trying to hustle and grind and become six figures, seven figures in no time. And you're trying to do all this and you put all this before the invitation. And don't understand that the invitation is an invitation to a rest. To a rest that you don't get through your hustle. You'll never rest in your hustle. Your hustle will have you toiling and sweating and doing things that you don't, you don't even figure you should be doing because you're caught in the grind, in the rat race, trying to make something out of nothing. And God is saying, I'm inviting you to a rest that if you'll give me a chance, I'll bless your business. I mean, so, so, so one, that's bad business. I mean, to, to, to buy it and then test it out. Number two, the man wasn't asking him to give up his business. It was a supper. Just come eat. First of all, this is a rich man inviting you. I'm going to come over here because they didn't get on this side. 
It's a rich man inviting you. It would make sense if you're a guy in business. To sit at the table of a rich man. What dumb businessman won't take time to sit at a table with a rich, a rich man himself? It's a man giving a great supper and inviting many. So much so we read later on that he, that he told his servant, go out and head us on highways. Go get all the poor. This is how big this man's house must be. Go get everybody you can. He said, I want my house full of people. He's got a big house, a big estate, a lot of money. And this fool says, no, I make, oh my God. I, I got to go, go test my five yoke of oxen. And so this man said, look, five yoke. Man, I, I got 30,000 yoke of oxen out here in the back. You're going to test your little five yoke. You know, five yoke of oxen, that's 10 oxen. That's 10 heads of oxen. This man got 50,000 oxen out there in the backyard. What you're going after, God says, I already have. Oh, Jesus. What you hustling after, God says, I already have. But you so mindful of your little five little yoke of oxen. He said, have me excused. You know, I shared a scripture with the uh, team, on, with the uh, prayer group on Wednesday morning. I hope they get on the screen. Give me, give me Psalm, Psalm uh, 78. No, Psalm 68, I think it is. Psalm 68.10. Psalm 68.10. I, I hope they can get on the screen by itself. It's in the message translations. I think that's what I gave y'all. Psalm 68.10, the message translation is what I asked for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want you to see what it says here. Now, it's going to probably give you a whole lot. That's why I actually gave y'all the scripture. You can just copy it over. Psalm 68, verse 10 in, in the message translation. Let me just read what it says. It says this. It says, you set them up in business. They went from rags to riches. You set them up in business. They went from rags to riches. This is what, y'all, man. God says, if you just accept my invitation, come to me, I'll set you up in business. Well, that didn't go over well. Just, just keep doing it your way. Just, just keep doing it your way. Just, just know I'm going to listen to all of YouTube people. I'm going to listen to all of, all of Facebook. I'm going to listen to all of Twitter people. Let them tell me about business. God's saying, child, please. They, 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 they plan, they plan with, with pocket change. Send their plan with pocket change. I'll set you up in business and take you from rags to riches. But you got to put me first. When I call you, when I draw you, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Y'all okay? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now. 
Just, see, you got to come to him. And don't make excuses. So one man, ground got in the way. One man, business got in the way. Verse 20, still another said, I married a wife. I married a wife, and therefore, I cannot come. Now, implication must be that when the invitation first came, he wasn't married yet. But between time that the invitation came, and the feast day came, he took a wife. And he said, I cannot come. Why couldn't he come, Deacon Gershom? Maybe it was so he's, because he's so enraptured in his wife and so attracted and so um, overwhelmed by sexual desire that uh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't come. I, 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 can't, I can't get away from my wife, because um, she's so pretty, she's so fine, and, and uh, I just, I just, I just want to be with her, and, and uh, um, I just want to just be all with her. Just, you know, I can't, can't play basketball with the boys no more, and, you know, I can't, I just, boy, I'm just all in my wife. <laughs> whooped, we call him whooped. That's one thing. Or he's henpecked. And if the one thing I cannot stand, I cannot deal with, is a henpecked man. You can't make a move without your wife's approval. I told our men and our men's men's uh, group. Uh, year, uh, a couple years ago, whenever it was, that you got to know, know when to be a lion, when to be a lamb. Remember me teaching on that our men's breakfast about lions and lambs? You got to know there's time to be a lamb when you lay down. All right, praise God. All right, yes, uh, that, honey, you're right about that. Then get this, but there's times you got to know when to be a lion. Now, I see me the ladies on this side. Let me come on this side. Let me they look, they looking at me funny. They, they come, on, come on this side. They're looking at me in a crazy tone of voice. Uh, man, if, if you really want me to lose respect for you, you just, you proved to me you're a henpecked man. Well, that woman, she wears the pants and the belt. Whatever she decides is what we do. Well, wait a minute. Who's the leader? Who's the one that God holds responsible? Adam, where are you? Yeah. 
what this man should have done was drug his wife to this feast. No, no, honey, no, I, I don't, we shouldn't go because, you know, I'm, I think we should go out on a date and we should, no, no, I've been invited to this feast with this great man over here. We're going to this feast. This invitation came. It came before you came along. That's my calling. I've been drawn there and I'm not going to change my plan just because you're in my life now. I've been invited to something. That's why, I, oh man. That's why it's so important, young men, men of God, that you discover your identity and your purpose, your assignment, your destiny before you get married. So once you get married, you know she fits in. Because if she doesn't fit, she's not the one. I don't care about her hair, I don't care about her figure, I don't care about her waves, I don't care about her smile, I don't care about no whoop appeal. If she's not the one that fits into your assignment, she's not the one. And if you have been invited to serve God, invited to be in, in, the, in the will of God, invited to, to, to some great level of ministry. You don't, don't marry somebody who's going to now um, change your mind. In the reality, based on the story that we're reading, he chose, listen to this, the temporal over the eternal. Because I have a little bit of news for you. It may be saddening, disheartening to somebody, but marriage is temporal. Y'all better hear me. Y'all better hear me. Marriage is temporal. Marriage is temporary. I'm not talking about you getting divorced. I'm talking about marriage is only for this earth. Once you leave this planet, your marriage is over. That's why when you get married, they say, till death do us part. Because once you die, it's part. You part. The Bible says that when you're in heaven, you are as the angels. Not you are an angel, but you become as the angels, which means you, you don't marry nor are you given in marriage. So love your boo all you can right now because once you leave here, it's over. So you must choose then the eternal part. Because your eternal must have more priority over what's temporal. I married a wife and I can't come. Verse 21, the man, the servant reported these things to his master and his master, the house being angry, being angry, being angry, being angry. Now remember, he's, he's showing you himself. You got to catch this. You're talking about, this is talking about Jesus. He's talking about himself and the Father. The master of the house being angry. 
So he doesn't take it kindly when you make an excuse about your business or your ground or your equipment or your marriage or your little plans. He doesn't take that kindly. He doesn't take that nicely. The Bible says he became angry. Because he know what he provided for you, what he supplied, what he put up, what he prepared for you. They figured that the marriage was going to be, oh, okay, another time, another time. No, he was angry. Because this map, the servant brought him the people's excuses. And if he considered them good excuses, he wouldn't have been angry. No, but he became angry. I said to a servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there is still room. He said, then go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come, that my house may be filled. Verse 24, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, you might say, well, duh, they didn't come. This is, this is, ladies and gentlemen, he's not, this is, a, this is about the marriage supper. He's not talking about they're not going to eat any of the food that I cooked. Duh, that goes without saying because they didn't come. What he's saying is the greater feast, the greater provision, the greater thing I prepare for all people, they will not get any of it. Remember, this is in response to verse 15. Blessed are those who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. This whole parable is about bread in the kingdom of God. And he says, all those who make excuses, all those who find something better to do than to come and do, come and be with me, than to come and be with me, I'll make sure you will never eat of my supper. You will never taste bread in the kingdom of God. Oh, but I'm a church member. You will never eat the kingdom bread. You will never enjoy kingdom bread because I gave you the invitation and you kept making excuses with one accord. Got an agreement with somebody on this is a this is a good excuse. Hallelujah. Y'all got about ten minutes. For I say, none of those who were invited should taste my supper. Verse 25. Now, obviously, he gets up from the table now. He leaves the house. Because, because verse 25 says, now great multitudes went with him. Multitudes went with him. They followed him. Remember I told you about multitudes now, right? Last Sunday. And he turned and said to them, if anyone does what? Now, that's what they're doing. Remember the parable before? They, he said, those, okay, I invited some, they didn't come. Now, these are saying, okay, we're going with you. We're coming to you. He says, now, to those who came to me, if anyone comes to me but and does not hate his father, come on, come on, come on, yes, and he cannot be, otherwise he says, I see you following me, but I see you coming with me, but I need you to move from membership, 
multitude to discipleship. And I got to let you know ahead of time what the qualifications are for discipleship. I got to let you know who can and who cannot be my disciple. Just because you're in the crowd doesn't make you a disciple. Just because you're in the in the in crowd doesn't make you a disciple. Just because you're near me and you're eating the, the bread and the loaves doesn't make you a disciple. He says, I have specific high qualifications for discipleship. Now, now remember now, what's the goal again? What's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal? Sonship. And most people miss it at discipleship. I'm telling you, if, if you, if you, if you just bear with me and bear with the Holy Ghost, if you can get through this message, it'll get gooder from here on out. <laughs> it'll get better. You understand? Because, because citizenship is is awesome. Sonship is the best. We're already sons. We're already citizens. But you don't get a revelation of that until you go through through discipleship. Because you got a, there's a cost. There's a price. He gave us power to become. Thank you, Lord. He cannot be my disciple. That's a hard statement. But, but I mean, what I, what I mean by hard is it's it's a it's a firm statement. It's a it's it's a it's a it's a standard. He 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 didn't say I don't think I'm not sure you can be my disciple. He says he cannot. He's telling us explicitly he cannot be my disciple if he does not hate his who father and who else wife and brothers and sisters. Yes, his own life also. Now this this is this is tough. Because does does Jesus is Jesus then teaching us to hate our family? Is he teaching us to have some wrathful, vengeful attitude, disdain for our family? No. He's talking about if you have an attitude where you where your family, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your sisters, your brother, your own life, if it's more important, if they are more important to you than me, you can be a member, but you cannot be a disciple. Because discipleship is going to push you into a place of surrender and submission that others may not go to. And there's going to be a place where you must come to a decision. Do I choose mama and do I choose my daddy and do I choose my children or my wife or do I choose Jesus? And unfortunately, many Christians today get caught choosing their families, get caught choosing their loved ones over Jesus Christ because they're not willing to break free. They place more value on temporal than they do the eternal.
This may not go viral, but it's, it's right. It's right. In Matthew 10, verse 34 through 37, put on the screen for me, please, media. I'm, I'm going to speed through this. Hallelujah. Matthew 10, 34 through 37. Matthew 10, 34 through 37. This, listen to this, listen to this. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Well, didn't he come to bring peace on earth? He said no. Is that, did y'all see the Bible? Is it, is it in red? Is it Jesus saying that? Well, didn't Jesus come to bring peace? He said no, don't, don't think I came to bring peace on earth. Now, he's the prince of peace. God is the God of peace. But he says, don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. This is rocking somebody's boat right here. For I have come to set a man against his father. A daughter against her mother. But this is challenging, boy. This is. And a daughter in law against her mother in law. People, yeah, people are like, well, that's easy. I can do, I can do that. <laughs> I'm already against my mother in law. Right, that's people. People's... He's not talking about because of how they treat you. And a man's enemies will be those of his household. Verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me, this is what he's talking about when he's saying hate. He who loves father or mother more than me, if what they say carries more weight than what I say, then you are not worthy of me. So go on, get, get to stepping. And he who loves son or daughter more than me. If you value what they say, and if their opinion matters more than what my word says, he says, you are not worthy of me. You're not worthy of me. You're not worthy of me. You can't be my disciple. This seems hard, but he's, he's making this, the, he's setting the standard here, making it very clear. Either you are with me or you're against me. You got to make a decision. Give me Matthew 12. Matthew 12, same, same book. Matthew 12, 46 to 50. Watch this. Matthew 12, 46 to 50. While he was still speak, talking to the multitudes, behold, watch this, watch this. This, this, this is Jesus. He's going to show himself in himself how this, is, how this works. He said to the multitudes, uh, they said to him, hey, uh, his brothers and his sisters stood outside seeking to speak with him. Verse 47. Verse 47. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Your mother, your blood mother, Mary. Your brothers. Your brothers, uh, James, Joe, uh, uh, Jude, they're out there. We want to talk to you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? They tell him, Jesus, your, your mama, Mary, all your brothers are out there, they want to see you. He said, now he's sitting in there with his disciples. He says, who is my brother? Who is my mother? Who is my brothers? Verse 50, for whoever, 
of verse 49. And he stretched out his hand toward who? Say it again. He stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here. Outside, mama and brothers and sisters, they all out there. Hey, Jesus, let us in. Because, you know, hey, we grew up in the same house. We used to play Yahtzee together, Jesus. Remember us? We used to, we, we used to hide and seek together, Jesus. Remember? I fed you. I nursed you. I clothed you. We want to see you. He said, who's my mother? Who's my brother? He looked around at his disciples and said, here are my mother. This is my family. Oh, Jesus. I know some of y'all have a hard time getting this. He says, this is my family. See, that if you would get this, it'll probably, it'll probably offend your mom and your daddy for real if you, if, if you got this because you, you find This is my mother. If you don't serve Jesus Christ, you're not family. Oh, no, blood is sticking in water. Jesus' blood came out like water. Out of his side came blood and water. That's the only blood and water I'm thinking about. If my family don't want to serve Jesus Christ, get them get the step in. I ain't got to be invited to any family reunion. I don't have to go to any cookout, any meal, any, I don't have to go to, eat, I, don't, I, don't have to go, I don't have to go to the funeral. I said, I don't have to go to the funeral. I don't have to go to the funeral. show you that? Look, look, look at Luke, look at Luke 9, 59. Luke 9, 59. I'm going to show you this here. You ain't got to go to the funeral. That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Look, look at Luke 9, 59. Then he said to another, follow me. And, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Verse, come on, keep going, media. Come on. Do 62. I showed, I, you got the notes. Come on. Come on, y'all swung me down. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go preach the kingdom. I see y'all don't like that because you already plan on going to Uncle Peanut's funeral and Auntie Nephinim and all of them. They're going to be drinking and cussing and all that kind of stuff at the funeral. But you got you to be a part. I got to be a part. I got to support. You are a liar. You ain't got to support nothing. You ain't got to support nothing. You got to support the kingdom. He said, if you have that kind of mindset, you cannot be my disciple. I'm not telling you to not go to somebody's funeral. I'm telling you that nobody and nothing takes priority over my kingdom assignment. Verse 61, 61 and 62. 61, 62. And another, another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Let me go say bye to all my family. I'm going to come. But Jesus said, no one having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Shake the dust off your feet and keep on going. 
I, I want to go back and tell them, I want to go back and tell them all bye, and you know, I'm leaving now, I'm going to go serve Jesus Christ, and I'm going to, no, you ain't, ain't going to tell them that, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. So if you're going to follow me, you got to love me more than all those. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. There's a cost. Luke 14, 27. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You got to bear your own cross. You got to lay down your life for the kingdom of God. Bear your own cross. Now the cross is a place of death. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Read what it says, Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Hallelujah. And he who does not take his cross and follow, me, follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Revelation 12, 11 says this, they overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and they did not love their lives to the death. All right, now, let's go to the end here. Here it is. Here it is. Back in Luke 14, I want to please God. I want to walk with him. I love my mama and my daddy and my sisters and my brothers, you know, my mom and, mom and dad are already in heaven. But I have, you know, a sister and three brothers and I have uncles and aunts and aunties and, you know, a few of them left, a couple of them left. And I got cousins and nieces and nephews. I have, I have four children and a wife and all that. I love every one of them. But if they would ever get in the way of me and Jesus, they got to go. Because as much as they, they might love me, they didn't die for me. They can uninvite me from the reunion. They can kick me out of the group me. But they have no heaven or hell to put me in. And I'd rather offend them than offend Jesus. If I offend them, I just get kicked out of the group. But if I offend Jesus, my name is blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Luke 14, 28. Here it is. Here it is. Watch. Are you, are you there? You there? Luke 14, 28. For which of you intended to build a tower... I remember he's talking about discipleship, the cost of following him. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? So there's a cost to following Jesus, whether he has enough to finish it. Do you have what it takes to run this race? 
lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Verse 33, so likewise, so likewise, whoever of you does not, what? Forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. If you're not willing to leave everything, you can't be my disciple. Let me show you one last scripture. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. See, disciples, <laughs> disciples don't need entertainment. I got three disciples in here. Disciples don't need entertainment. Members need entertainment. Members, you got to keep having softball games and bowling events, and you got to have pool parties, and you got to have pizza shows, and you got to have lights and camera action. You got you to have booty shakers come out every once in a while, and you got to do all that kind of stuff with, with members, You got because you got to keep members entertained. I saw that this morning. I saw a church last Sunday. They had old... March abandoned the church with booty shakers right out front in front of the deacons. Full college march band in the church. I'm a problem with band being in the church, but they had all the booty shakers. You know the same ones y'all see at the game? Just, I mean, and I don't mean they weren't dressed in choir robes. They had on the same rump-shaking outfits they have on when they're on the football field. Dancing like Herodias in front of all the deacons and all the elders. Because members have to be entertained. But disciples want to be entertained. Disciples want to be engaged. I want to learn my responsibility. I want to fulfill my calling. I have a calling to fulfill. All right. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I'm talking about forsaking all. Again, the heaven, uh, kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Go to verse 4 to 6, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Verse 4 to 6. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, when you forsake everything, you're willing to give up everything you have for what you find in the kingdom of God. This word forsake, apotasso, means to set apart, to separate, to separate oneself, to withdraw oneself from anyone, to take leave of, to bid farewell to, to renounce and to forsake. Jesus said, if you don't renounce everything you once knew, if you don't bid farewell to everything you once knew, 
If you don't say goodbye to everything you once knew, he says, you cannot be my disciple. And the problem is, too many of God's people, Deke, are trying to hold on to the world and try to grab on to the kingdom of God, and you can't do it. They are so, the world and the kingdom are so far apart. You can't, if, if they were similar, and that's what people have done in church now, is they've tried to make church so similar to the world that you can come in and be comfortable and, okay, this is, this, oh, this, this just, this is like the club. Okay, this is cool. This is cool. I can, I can, I can do this because they had the same lights and all the same, you know, all the, all the fog machines and everything like they had at a club last night. And I'm in church today, and I can, I can do the same, we can do the same dance, and they got the same tempo, and the musicians are sampling the same music. They're sampling the same music I heard in the club, and now we bring that. We're going to dance to that So because it's just like, like the club. Oh, this is cool. And they, they brought the church in the world so close that they've tried to merge the church in the world. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. They are so far apart that if you don't let go of the world, you cannot attain the kingdom of God. So you must choose. You must choose. Either I'm going to hold on to the world or I'm going to let it all go and be a disciple. Now listen, looking at a bunch of people who I recognize your faces today, but I'm putting a challenge to every one of you sitting here right in my face. It's one of us that we praise God and shout and dance, but any member can do that. What I want to know in this church is do we have disciples who will forsake everything in this world, bid farewell, say goodbye to this world, hello kingdom. Because when it's all said and done, heaven and earth shall pass away. This is all, it's all the stuff people run after. It's going to all pass away. It's going to all be burnt up in fervent heat, the Bible says. Everything, the car you're after, the house you're after, the purse you're after, the, the thing, the vacation you want to go to, everybody want to go to Bali. Great, it's going to burn up one day. In fervent heat. You've met all your, attained all your goals by 40. You've seen the whole world by 50. Wonderful. But when the Son of Man comes... When that trumpet sounds and he cracks the eastern sky, will you be ready when the supper is prepared? Or will you offer an excuse? I can tell you right now, there will be no excuse acceptable to the master. He wants you to be ready. He wants, wants you to know you must decide now while you still have time. Stand to your feet. We used to sing a song that come to Jesus while you have time. Come to Jesus. Make up your mind. He'll make your life brand new. He will take care of you. You must come while you have time. Now listen to me. I don't care how long you've been a member.